Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. In this episode, I'm joined by the co-founder of Carrington West and the uh, creator of the Mindset Musings podcast, which I happen to be on recently, Simon Gardner. Hey, Simon, thanks for joining us. Hi, Nick. Yeah, th- thanks for having me on. Um, absolute honour to be on. I-, I know you know you've had some big, big names on your podcast. Big fan of it. Um, I've listened to both Ed Milet, um episodes, Tom Billiou, these these sorts of guys. Ed- Ed's actually. Um, I'm in his private coaching group, um, and I know you've got an event, haven't you, coming up in September? Um, yeah. So we on the, uh, yeah, I mean, as, as as you quite rightly said, when you were on our podcast, we we have um, pushed those, those you know that that kind of weekend. If if you can get to um, to, to to Wembley in early September just to see it in person, um, I strongly urge anyone that can do to to do that is is incredible. You know, to to sort of vibe off. I'm lucky enough to get a weekly Zoom call with him, obviously in a, in a group setting, and it's yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, he's a he's a legend, absolute legend, and I'm I'm excited about excited about that event, and of course working with him again for sure. So um, so look, I mean, I I actually said to you before we started recording here, um, whenever I do these interviews, I tend to be quite selfish in that I ask the questions that I want the answers to, and you know, over the last ten years, uh, you've built a a business which has now 70 plus staff, eight figure, multi eight figure uh, a year in annual revenue. And so, you know, this is, I guess, the journey that I'm on as well. And I'd love to kind of get some insight. Um, First of all, I I know that, well, you know, from listening to my podcast, uh, Simon, that my philosophy with any business is think big, start small. Yeah. Um, and I know that you um, you kind of align with that philosophy very much. So, um, yeah, like ha- how how did you start a business that 10 years down the line is, you know, multi eight figures a year in revenue and 70 plus staff? Like how did it, how did it start? So essentially, it started. We were so so. It's a recruitment company, and we place people into both permanent and and sort of interim roles in the UK built environment market. That's what we do. Um, and me and my colleague, and obviously now 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 friend and co-founder, um, the original one, um, we were we were working for uh, a large. Um, you know, a, lar- a large, a large recruitment company down the road, um, and then the, the 2008, 2009 recession happened, and we were asked. You know, there were some pretty strange answers from that company to some pretty big, big questions, if you like. And we were being asked to just carry on doing what we were doing when actually, you know, all of our clients were either going bust or, or, or you know, losing their jobs. So we were essentially being asked to start again within a different industry within that company, and we just thought to ourselves, look, you know. There was 350, 400 staff there. We were in the top five, both of us. You know, why don't we just, if we're going to go through the pain of starting again, let's let's do it ourselves and take take the best bits from from that company. And there are some great parts to it. There are some not so great parts to it. And we decided to take the best bits and, and bring in our own personality, essentially. Um, and, and that's what we did. And you know, we ten years later, we have got 70 staff, and you know, approaching a sort of you know, 50 million a year in, in, in sales. Um, but uh, it all starts, you know, it all starts very, very small and it all starts with a daily to-do list, basically. And it's it's relentlessly, you know, getting in and making sure that that day has got a little W in the column. Um, so we, so we, we started in my in my brother's garage. Um, we had no office. Um, 
we 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 plan to leave it in the in the Christmas. Um, sorry, we plan to leave in in the sort of Easter of 2011. Um, but my colleague went into his sort of end of year review and just essentially didn't believe it anymore. Didn't want to do it and just quit there and then pretty much in, in front of our eyes without without any sort of plan. So we didn't we hadn't written a business plan. We had a general idea about what we wanted to do. Um, we hadn't. Um, saved up the savings that we required for uh, to, to sort of keep ourselves running for a year. Um, so it, it was all a bit rushed at the start, but it meant that we started, we, you know, we were kicking the can down the road for, for obviously for some time, but so it's, it started very in with very humble beginnings, but you know, I think, I think that's fairly indicative of, of, you know, issues in society these days with the, you know, Instagram and, and things, Pe- people want the results now, um, but you know, really, it does take a number of years to to sort of nail anything and and to make mistakes and to get the mechanism that works. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You, just that story makes me think of one of my favourite quotes, which you know I have. Um, well, I have on the wall in my office. Normally, we switch out the uh, the images that I have on the posters here, but um, it's a Tony Robbins quote, and he says most people dramatically overestimate what they can achieve in a year yeah. and underestimate what they can achieve in two or three decades. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're a great example of that where, and I know I, I certainly was guilty of this, you know, when I started my business in 2008, I was like, had these massive goals and dreams and in the first year I got nowhere near them. Mm. But actually here we are, you know, 13 years later and I've actually exceeded any goal dream I could have possibly had in the early days. So I think, it's um yeah think big start small is always my summary and yeah I believe that um Tony Robbins quote is absolutely spot on um and people generally overestimate what they can do in a year or in the short term and yeah that's the underestimate and don't think big enough in the long term I was I was certainly guilty of that so um what what was like what was some of the biggest this is a selfish question by the way um what was the biggest challenge? You experience. I asked Ed my that similar question actually. Yeah. Um. In in going from multi seven figure business to eight figure business, what was the what were the key differences between those two businesses or that that two stages of growth that you experienced? So for us, it was culture. I think. You know, when we when you first start and you're a recruitment company or, or any sort of sales operation based from a from essentially a bedroom, it's just sell as much as you can, stay you know stay above water. So so there's there's life cycles of a of a company, and even in a decade, there's been sort of three or four life cycles of this of this business. And, you, and you're right, between the between the sort of sales of you know what would be 15 people and the sales of that generated by 60 or 70, it for us it's the it's the culture piece. Um, even five years ago, it was look, let's go out and just you know positively impact as many clients as possible, fill as many jobs, which is our terminology, you know, in the recruitment industry as you, as you can, um, and, and let's try and do it in the right way. Whereas now, it's you know we. You know, we, we've just redone our, our one three five uh, kind of kind of vision for the next five years, and we put you know very purposefully we put our people as the first sentence. You know, our first sentence of our vision for our business is um, we've got um, 150 staff, which is you know obviously a future program uh, kind of target, and everyone loves working for this company. Mm-hmm. So that's the first sentence. Okay, if 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 everyone loves working for the company, then you know, our attrition rates are going to be market leading, you know, 
kind of low and that's where they are at the moment our our staff retention is 92 percent annually um in the recruitment industry it's closer to 55 or 60 percent we deal in sort of very niche sectors which is town planning highway design rail once you've got someone that's been here a number of years that specializes inch wide mile deep which is where we want to get our consultants they become stakeholders in the industry in which they operate and not just a recruitment consultant you know so it's it's nailing the culture and it's getting the the, the people centric thing right because you, you can hire all day long and we're a recruitment company we're, we're fairly good at hiring but you know if they're dropping off the end um and we're we're, you know, we're, we're in a city we're in a portsmouth it's a, it's a city of two hundred and forty thousand. maybe the the wider areas eight hundred thousand. you know it doesn't take long you know if you're a, if you're a bad employer it doesn't take long for that to get around you're going to start to you're going to start to feel the pinch of people coming in so to, to get it from six to seven, uh, sorry, from eight, uh, from seven to eight figures to answer your question, it's it's really making sure that people love coming to work. Um, and and when you're not in the room, we had a we had a senior leadership team training in the hotel next door yesterday. So you know, fifteen or sixteen of the more senior staff were out of the office. You know, when we came in today, the activity. If you look at the activity and the outbound activity from yesterday, it was it was it was, it, you know, it, it was it was just what it normally is, if not more. Because obviously they're, they're they're trying to prove that they can operate, you know, and that's what culture is. It, it's something that takes place when when you're no longer there. Yeah, great. And, and it's something that um, I've done a lot of work on uh, with our companies over the last few years, in particular, really building the culture. And um, I guess the the biggest challenge that I've experienced um, is more in the the finding enough of the right people yeah um you know the 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 hiring and which of course you know given what you guys do in your sector you should be pretty good at and of course i'm guessing you apply that same logic to your own your own company so what what advice have you got when it comes to recruiting talent um especially you know like i said you're in a relatively small local area um you know it's not like you're in london or new york or mm. the major major cities so um what yeah what what's your best advice when it comes to finding recruiting bringing in talent into your business so great question and, and really in the last sort of four or five years we've, we've shifted slightly so our first 15 hires essentially we're, we're just our mates that we knew were fairly good at recruitment and we paid them double the commission and 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 you know we were we were fairly honest with ourselves it's like what why are people gonna you know leave a, a sort of plc set up where they've got you know all of the benefits and come and work for sort of you know what was it the time four or five lads in a you know in a broom cupboard um we had to pay them but so you know we we had people with 10 years experience 12 years experience coming in but that you know it, it, your network starts to run out you know there's in recruitment there's a bit of a burnout so people tend to sort of come off the tools if you like or the sort of you know cutting edge of the sales as they get kind of get older um but you know we we read um we all read um angela duckworth's book uh, sort of grit um and you know really we've started to shift in the last three or four years to, to hire on personal attributes of which resilience and grit is a determination of the top three that we look for we've got personality tests and we run you know all this sort of psychometric tests before they come in and people often ask us you know where do you find these great people well we don't really find them we we make them so income income people with the right personal attributes and recruitment 
you know, I mean, there's a lot of industry bodies that try and overcomplicate it. It's a fairly, fairly simple process. You can be good at it. You can be bad at it. But, you know, we, we, we train on the industry. We train on the skills and we hire the people. We, we hire the things you can't train. Yes. And, and that's really flipped our business from, you know, a, a, a good business of 30 people doing well um, into, you know, hopefully we're, we're now sort of, you know, we want to get to 100 people and then and then take a breather and then sort of build from there. And, and it's really changing what we recruit on. And, and for a recruitment company, it did. It took quite a long time for, the, for, for that for that to dawn on us. But, um, you know, we're there now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know you've had um, awards as well for, for how you how you operate your business. Best company to work for in 2019, employer of the year 2020. Um, the the one that I'm actually most interested to ask about is you, you got an award for um, the best learning and development program, yeah. um, which is awarded by investors in people. Uh, that was for for last year 2020. Um, how do you? I'm trying to ask this question in the right way. Like I'm like obsessed about personal development. I've you know I've been around the personal development world, been to seminars, workshops all over the world since I was 12 years of age when I went to my first Tony Robbins seminar in Hawaii. Yeah. And like, so it's become, it's, it's part of my DNA, mm. but that isn't normal. So how do you, how do you encourage people? How do you, um, yeah, I, I suppose, how do you make people investing in their own learning development mindset, um, how do you make that appealing to them? How do you make people want to do that? Because I think it's one of those things you're either into or you're not. Like, how, how have you managed to get so many people invested in their learning and development within your business? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and you know, the, my, my one big regret for myself and therefore the, the company really is to not, to not have been into it from day dot 2011 when we set up or maybe even 2007 when I started my, you know, my recruitment career, you know, you don't know how further along you'd be if you just picked up a book and read it um you know that first one and it's so it's been ingrained in our culture really in the last sort of four or five years we've got um a sort of Carrington West library which is a you know like a physical books on some shelves that people can check out we've got our sort of um online LMS which is a learning management system um which is what really essentially we won the award for from investors and people um and um you know, people can suggest books for each other. They can, they can, um, they can do book reviews. You know, you, you go into the kitchen, you hear two junior people talking talking about something from How to Win Friends and Influence People, which was, you know, from sixty years before they were born. Um, and and you know, if people haven't got the time or the inclination to read a physical book, we've got a big lake outside. Quite a lot of people walk around the lake. We we now pay for um, everyone's Audible subscription monthly. Um, and people can listen, you know, audibly to to to, to some of these books. And um, and on top of that, we've got over 100 hours of content, video content that we, um, you know, at first target and then incentivize later on for, for people to, you know, kind of watch. And, and you know, it, you know, you might I mean, we, we've just had end of court reviews and it's, you know, some people you need to give a bit of a prod look, you know. If, if things are things are if things are falling by the wayside a little bit get, get back on the lms watch you know you, you might not learn something new but you, your brain then starts to tick over and you start to think again like someone that that constantly you know kind of you know kind of renews the information in their mind so it, it really it really does go with with the culture but it, you know essentially you've got to start by leading from example yeah. um and then people have got to see the benefits you know essentially we work in a sales organization and you know unless you see the benefits of something people don't catch on so um yeah it we, you know we we offer the tools 
um, and um, you know, and and just and, and lead by example, essentially. Yeah, and, and for what you've said, you, you make you make access to those things easy. So you know, you mentioned the library and the, yep. the portal where they can you know making that kind of information accessible. Um, I think is is key, and like you say, you know, um, leading by example. Of course, if you're you know if you're not um, investing time and energy in your personal development, then how can you expect your team? Same in this part. Um, I mean, I'm I'm guessing that it's not been a straight line over ten years. There's probably been some bumps in the road. So, um, what what have been what what have been some of the the biggest mistakes or or things you've done that you think you know somebody who's building an empire and has aspirations to you know have an eight eight figure business? What what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way that you can share? Yeah, so I think one of our one of our biggest and earliest kind of mistakes was um, we'd we'd had a client um, uh, kind of you know pay the invoices and things, and we we you know we invoice discount, so you know we um, we we kind of outsourced a lot of our credit control. And in the early days, the biggest mistake was just assuming that when you outsource something, it's just being done. Um, and that was our tactic. There's only two of us. We were good recruiters. So we wanted to outsource pretty much absolutely every facet of the business to concentrate on, on what we were good at. Um, but this client was paying, paying, you know, the funding, but it wasn't being allocated against the, the, the right invoices. Um, and in the end, there was a 200 grand big issue basically. And we were still only two people in the garage. And that's, you know, um, when you haven't drawn a salary for 12 months, um, that's a big problem. So we, we learned from then on, you know, we, we, we sort of assigned one of the senior leadership team to, you know, closely manage anyone that we deal with, even, you know, on an external basis now. Um, and, you know, there's been, you know. The difference in that case, it's the difference between delegating out the task versus abdicating responsibility for that task. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, we, we were naive. I mean, our, our naivety was well, our main strength getting into this because, you know, if we knew what we knew a year in, we, we might not have left our company, I've got to be honest. Um, yeah. But naivety, you know, uh, did cost us, you know, again, uh, you know, kind of a year in or so because some of these issues, you just assume that it's being done. And, um, you know, we, we, we now have been exposed to, you know, obviously the, you know, you know we, we, we have got some kind of excellent suppliers, but, you know, back in the early days, you, we just picked, picked people and, and cracked on and that wasn't always the best way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, mo- most, most people probably, as you've built a business, building an empire, probably experience versions of that where, you know, maybe you abdicate certain things when really they should be more delegated and kept an eye on. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a valuable lesson, especially where, you know, the, um, you know, creating, um, I suppose this was bringing money into the business mm-hmm. um, and, and abdicating responsibility for that. For, for me, that was always the thing that I maintain control of for longest is like, you know, ultimately cash is king, right? Yeah. Totally. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that managing cash flow when you turn it over multi, multiple eight figures, like you said, best part of 50 million a year, um, I'm guessing it's a different ball game at that volume versus when you're in the earlier stages. It totally is. You know, we've, we've got a team of six 
you know, great credit controllers now, all, all internal. Um, they've got targets, you know, similar to the kind of sales guys as well. Um, and, and you know, we, we've, we've got a monthly awards and, you know, when, when they bought in, you know, a record number of millions, let's say, for that month, you know, everyone stands up and gives them a clap. And it's part of, you know, you know when you set up a business, you don't assume that you're having to clap someone to, to make sure you're paid. You just, you know, we, we live in a transactional world when we're, you know, when we're paying, when we're sort of, you know, customer, if, if you like, when we're an individual, but it does open your eyes to, you know, all facets of the business world. But, um, you know, back back in the early days, yeah, I mean, we're obviously talking different figures now, but it, was, it seemed far more important when it was the smaller figure, you know, in, in the first year than it, than it does larger figures now, in a funny way. Yeah, how much, um, how much of the, or how many of the, the, the tasks, the responsibilities in the business now are outsourced to third-party providers? So, um, we've got not not many now. We've just bought payroll in house for the first time in t- ten years. Um, but we've got a you know great um, uh, financial director, um, and you know uh, we've just recently. Uh, bought bought in a kind of HR team, and now we've got uh, a marketing team. So, you know, m- marketing they, we might use the odd agency to do the to do the exterior stuff, but that's managed then obviously in, in sort of face there up by um, obviously our marketing team and things. So, um, not not much, um, and 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 slowly we've been going through that pain of you know bringing it in and learning the processes and 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 you know try try and still maintain the relationship with the exterior supplier just in case you know we we, we need to lean on them again so it's, we're just going through that transition period with a few more departments now uh, what point did you um bring in your finance director long before we needed him actually um well not not long before we needed him but long before we needed someone of that seniority um so we he he came in to do some sort of auditing for us and and to you know check over our our, our processes and as a consultant um and he did such a great job we we sort of essentially said look you know would you like to would you like to join us but he was a you know he was a financial director previously of a recruitment company of you know 300 people um and we were like 30 people at that time so it, it was a it was a big cost but you know one of his first tasks was to get a, a huge refund from hmrc um for for you know the, we've been doing expenses incorrectly for like 12 months um and it was quite funny actually my um obviously the post used to go back to my brother's kind of uh, converted garage um, and for about a month, there was just a brown envelope on my dad's, you know, he'd, he'd given it to my dad to give to me. Um, and he said, oh, I think it's a brown envelope there. It looks like from HMRC, you know, the, the, obviously the one with the black dots on. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll open it another day. Uh, a few roast dinners go by and he persuaded me to open it. And it was a, it was a check for, you know, six figures. Um, <laughs> and it'd been on the table for a month. But that was, that was Gavin's first contribution was to essentially, you know, pay pay us back and um you know without that and that and that just goes to show sometimes you've just got to you've got to go out and get the thing you need probably six months before you need it yeah there was well you probably can can gather there was a reason why i asked that question yeah um and, and there's a fair few of my friends and colleagues um that are you know running businesses that are you know multi-seven eight multi-eight figures um a lot of them talk about the importance of that role, that finance director oh, role. We've and we've you know we've got um, a finance person in our company, not a finance director. I suppose I probably wear that hat, but it's not my not my um, 
my zone of genius, if you like. So, yeah, yeah uh, it's, it's something that I've been mulling over and it's a timing thing. It's like anything. I go, look, is, is having a finance director in your business a good idea? Of course it is. Yeah. The question is, when's it the right time? Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm just trying to weigh that up. So, yeah, it was, it was yeah, interesting to hear you say. Mm. I think you bought, you said you bought them in before you really needed them. But at the same time, um, I think you were probably, you know, uh, 30 stat, yeah, probably somewhat larger uh, in, in terms of size of business than we are, but not massive. No, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we're, we're 22 full-time in our team now. Mm. And, um, yeah, and, and you know, culture's good. Um, feels like everyone's on the same page. And I also know that, you know, for us to get to the next phase of our growth, that's going to need to probably double to 50. And I go, that kind of scares me. I don't really know what that looks like or feels like. Mm. Um, I think finance director is probably one of the earlier roles that we'd need to hire so that we can, um, so that, you know, we can do everything else in a sensible fashion financially after that. Mm-hmm. so listen it's been it's been um fascinating hearing about your um your journey and and picking your brains a little bit been useful for me i'm, I'm hoping <laughs> feel the same and 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 yeah like i said i mean this um, this podcast is called empire builders and mm-hmm. and meeting people that are building and have built an empire um certainly in the uk as well especially is um fascinating to me i know we've got listeners all over the world but you know hearing from people that have built eight figure multi eight figure businesses and have had to deal with the trials and tribulations of starting small and you know working out of your your brother's garage and and getting the business where it is now it's uh, it's 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 um it's 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 inspiring to hear the story and hopefully you know our listeners feel the same um of course, you know, uh, if you like what you've heard from Simon, be well worth checking out his podcast, Mindset Musings, which I guess you can search for on any of the standard podcast platforms. And um, if you'd like to connect with Simon in particular, maybe you're in Portsmouth and you're looking for a career change. I don't know. Um, if you want to connect with, with Simon, then um, Simon, what's the best way for him to do that? So if you're, if you're active on LinkedIn, I'm on there um, under Simon Gardner um, and, and you can find me through the company Carrington West. Um, but my, my go-to, if you like, is my sort of fledgling Instagram account, um, which is si.gardner.mm. For, and, and that's obviously specifically set up for the, for, for the podcast, but that will be switching back into, you know, kind of solely just a personal Instagram account. So si.gardner.mm on Instagram. Wicked. So connect with Simon on Instagram and um, yeah, try not to hammer his inbox too hard with questions and stuff, but um, I'm sure Simon, I'll be dropping you uh, a little note every now and then to get your advice on various things. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I, I do think that having, you know, having people around you that have been on the, that have walked the path um, and been through some of the, uh, the, the same challenges and trials and tribulations is certainly, certainly valuable. So um, yeah, it's been a pleasure and thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Hope to see you. Looking forward to seeing you, I should say, at uh, Expert Empires in September. Um, of course, you know uh, you know Ed, Ed Milet really well. And those of our listeners that have heard one, uh, we've actually interviewed Ed twice for our podcast. So if you've heard uh, those those sessions, those uh, those episodes, then I'm sure you'll be excited as I am to see Ed live in person at Expert Empires on the 2nd and 3rd of September. So, um, Simon, thanks very much for joining us. Nick, thank you very much. It's been a real honour, a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Speak to you soon.
Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.